0: How do you protect your nest egg when you're really risk averse? Should you invest in annuities, CDs? When choosing a money market fund, should you just invest in the one with the highest post-tax return? How do you go about replenishing cash or rebalancing your portfolio when the stock market is up? Safe, low-risk investments. That's today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 425. Plus, Joe and Big Al discuss the widow's penalty in relation to Roth conversions, switching from survivor social security benefits to your own, and withdrawing from your portfolio before RMD age. One listener says nobody should ever need to do it. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send in your money questions and comments as an email or a voice message. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al
1: Clopine, CPA.
2: Uh, What do we got? We got a voicemail.
1: Hi, Joe, Al, and Andy. This is Tyler from Ohio. It's been a couple years since I've called in, but I have a new situation that I was hoping to get your thoughts on. This involves my parents, who I would say are highly risk-averse people. In 2009, they took all of their retirement accounts out of the market despite significant penalty and loss and turned to real estate, which my father's been doing all his life. They are now in their late 70s and have just sold the last rental property that they have because it's time for them to get out. It's just too much for them to handle anymore. So they are sitting on about $400,000, which I would consider cash because it is in a bank savings account earning 0.1% interest. So just in our discussions with what they want to do with the money, they are not sure, but they know they don't want to lose it. So I suggested they at least look at maybe an online savings account or perhaps some CDs so that they get a little yield versus 0.1%. And then they went to their bank, which of course they've been banking with for 30 years to ask about other accounts that they have, and came home with annuity brochures, which was very frustrating on my part. But in terms of their monthly income, their pensions and Social Security bring about $8,000 a month, which completely cover their monthly expenses. So I don't think they need an income stream of any sort, but I wanted to get your thoughts on... What are kind of the appropriate investments they need to be considering if their goal is really just to protect this money and not necessarily to grow it? Love listening to the podcast. I do so in my Toyota minivan with my children. I usually have to turn the podcast up pretty loud to cover their complaints for mom listening to the podcast again. But I will say that my 17-year-old who just got his first job this year came home and asked me if I could help him set up a Roth IRA. So some of it sinking in despite them not wanting to hear it, but love it. Thank you for all the great advice and hope to hear from you.
3: Wow. That's that's a great. <laughs> great question. And, uh, Tyler, we enjoyed listening to your voice and hearing your question. Yeah, seventeen-year-old open up a little Roth IRA. Right? The kid's going to be a billionaire thanks <laughs> to us. You know <laughs> it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think. What was I doing with my kids at 17? Oh. I don't think they had earned income yet. So
0: you weren't forcing them to listen to a podcast, that's for sure.
3: No, <laughs> but they both have Roth now. No. All right.
2: What do you think, Al? Um, so they went to the bank. Bank was like, "Hey, you want zero risk?" So you should go into an annuity.
3: Yeah, which uh, I'm not surprised because the same thing has happened to me at two different banks. You could get a deferred
2: annuity um, that's going to give you um, probably the same rates, maybe a little bit higher than a CD. Um, it, the income grows tax deferred when you pull the income out. Um, it's going to be ordinary income, so you don't necessarily have to annuitize it. Right. So if they want absolute guarantees, right?, you know that's an option i don't know if it's my favorite option but it th- that's definitely an option there's all sorts of different flavors of annuities right we we kind of bash annuities on this show right but you know if i'm looking at just a straight fixed deferred annuity or a uh, multi-year guaranteed annuity you know that might not be a bad choice for someone that wants zero risk because you already know what they did before when they saw the, the their accounts go down they said screw this I'm gonna cash out, pay taxes, pay penalties, and I'm gonna go into real estate. So that's gonna hurt them more than probably a, a a guaranteed product.
3: yeah well, you bring up a good point and that and we probably don't talk about it enough. So annuities get a bad mm-hmm. bad name because a lot of them, are are somewhat misrepresented in terms of what you're getting, what the benefits are, what the potential rates of returns are, the the fact that it's hard to get your money out without penalty, right? But uh, and the commissions, the, you know, people say, well, there's no there's no costs in here, but there are, <laughs> there are costs, whether you know it or not. Um, so not all annuities are bad, right? But uh, I still wouldn't go that route. I, I would go personally, I would go back to the bank and just open up a, a CD that, and I've checked recently because I just opened up a CD myself last week and in a, a large you no know, Oh, you had a little bank, extra cash? A little extra cash. Yeah, that wallet little... <laughs> was getting so fat, I just had to take it over. It, I, it, I had you barely sit down. I had to go to the bank. I had a, a, little, CD. I had a red <laughs> little pickup truck to get it there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um armored car. Yeah, ar- ar- yeah, armored car. Got so, it. So but the rate at a at a big too big to fail bank was over four percent for a 13 month CD. That that's what I would do right now. That doesn't mean it's gonna be that rate forever, but at least for the next year. To me, that's a great rate. Right? That's what I would do because you can always get at your money. And if you do take your money out early on, on something like the that, interest. you lose the interest, right? So it's not necessarily the end of the world, particularly when you're used to getting 0. 0.1 or in some cases, 0.01% interest on a money market. Yeah. Yeah. Um...
2: I think it really depends on Tyler's parents and they're in their mid to late seventies. It sounds like they got a ton of cash flow, eight yeah, thousand right. dollars a month. So it sounds like
3: plenty for their living expenses. Right.
2: And so if, if they want to lock the money up for a little bit longer, you know, they, they might be able to get a little bit higher yield. Yeah, um, that's guaranteed,
3: you know, and I think they really like the 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 guaranteed yeah, they, aspect. they, of they it. want safety, and and I think that's the that to me that's the one instance where you might I might be okay with an annuity if it's if if it's one of the products that you just talked about, and it's for someone that wants zero risk. It can work. So um, yeah, hope that helps. But
2: yeah, you CDs know, a good route. You know, there, there's all sorts. You could even go money market today.
3: In, no. in in some banks right yeah my the bank i checked and it was paying point paying 0.03 Oh, the sorry. money market there wow. so it wasn't wasn't very good
2: all right uh thanks tyler and um good luck to your um 17 year old way to go all right uh we got a yeah from fremont california hi joe and big al return listener all right returned listener is that like that one guy was like you know i've tried you guys four times and i keep on unsubscribing
3: well return lister is one that came back for a second time so it's like that's that's less than a frequent listener
2: still yeah i'm I'm returning (laughs) i left you i I thought i'd give you another i thought i'd give you another shot right uh still enjoying the show okay well she's enjoying it yeah very good all right i heard Uh, that when your stocks are up, you should replenish your cash. Can you share how this is done? Uh, Okay. Do I move money out of my stock mutual funds to buy bond mutual funds? Do I sell some of my stock mutual funds and put it into a high-yield savings account to use as needed? My husband and I are both retired at age 63 and 69. You would like to preserve some of the earnings, but most likely... Would I'll be going to our son since we don't need the funds to live off of.
3: Keep up the good work. Um, Okay, couple things we got to. Um, um. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, first of all, I'm not sure who would have said to sell your stocks when they're up and going to cash. But, yeah. But nevertheless, w- really, this is a question about how to rebalance, I believe. Yeah, sure. Or... If you don't need the cash, if you don't need to live
2: off of it, it's all going to your son. Why are you putting it in cash? Yeah, do, you, do you have a cash reserve or do you are you looking to build a cash reserve?
3: Yeah, yeah. So 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 here here's maybe a way to think about this is it's it's a good idea once you figure out what your risk profile should be right? Which is 60% stocks, 80% stocks, 20% stocks. I don't care. And the rest is safe. And usually we consider safe to be bonds. It could be cash nowadays because cash is paying well, Sure, right? But typically bonds pay greater than cash. And so that's why we kind of favor them. Plus, they tend to go up a little bit when stocks decline. Not always, but they tend to. So, here, rebalancing is simply this: if you want sixty percent stocks, and now all of a sudden your stocks are seventy percent because the stock market's done so well, we would recommend to rebalance periodically. You know, depending upon when you look at it, some people like to do that quarterly, some monthly, some people look at it all the time. It, it's whatever is comfortable for you. Rebalance, and so you sell. of your stocks to get back to 60. What do you buy? You buy the stuff that's lower, like your bonds, right? Your bonds were 40%, now they're 30%. That's what rebalancing is. So you're taking some profits off the table in a disciplined manner, taking emotions out of it, taking some gains off the table, and then putting it in safety. On the other hand, when stocks go down, you do just the opposite, right? Stocks are now 50% because they decline. So now you buy, you you sell 10% of your bonds and you buy 10% stocks to get back to 60, 40. So what are you doing? You're buying low and you're selling high constantly on a disciplined manner. That's really how you want to think about this.
2: Yeah. And that's in a perfect world, right? Last year
3: you had bonds are down, stocks are down. Yeah, true. Right. It's so you didn't have to rebalance theoretically.
2: You know, how often you want to look at it. You know, our firm looks at it via bands. So let's say if you don't want to have any variance over a certain percentage, and as soon as that, that triggers, um, but sometimes you could be selling stocks
3: and buying other types of stocks. You can, if you have more than one kind of stock category. For example, international stocks might be up relative to U.S. or vice versa. Small company might do better than large company or vice versa, right? So there's other, it's more than just stocks and bonds. I oversimplified sure. it. But I, I would say the average person, I mean, Firms like ours do, it's much more sophisticated. We look at bounds and we actually check daily for our clients. But for the average person, maybe looking at it once a quarter, wouldn't you say?
2: How often do you, or do we manage your money? You, yeah. Is, is that we, why we have 5 we, billion of we, assets? Yeah, we manage <laughs> We we manage
3: my money. That's correct.
0: 4.2 billion of that is Al's.
3: Wow, we
2: got big Al's money
3: here
0: that's, up
2: here.
3: That's why I had to take a wheelbarrow to the bank. <laughs> to,
0: to, to get your CD.
3: You. <laughs> oh,
0: Yeah,
2: no, I think that's, I mean, to to keep it really simple, but but sometimes you hear this, is that, all right, well, if there's dividends paying from the mutual fund or the stock, you want to just have those dividends going to cash, and then that cash can get reinvested into other asset classes. You can. I I mean, look at your portfolio you don't need income from the portfolio, so you need to have your cash reserves, whatever that is, and then make sure that you're managing the portfolio to whatever goals that you're you're trying to accomplish. And it sounds like the goal is really to make sure that you know they're safe and, and secure, but really
3: that it's it's a transfer play. It's it's for yeah. the for the kids. It's for it's for your son, which means you can probably take a little bit more risk than you might otherwise take for yourself because it's longer term.
2: All right, thanks for the question, and thanks for returning.
0: What impacts are financial market volatility, bank failures, and inflation having on your portfolio? What's next for stocks and bonds? Will the Fed finally tame inflation? Register now for our free market update webinar next Wednesday, April 26th at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time with Pure Financial Advisors Executive Vice President and Chief Investment Officer Brian Perry, CFP, CFA. Brian will recap quarter one of 2023 and the outlook for the financial markets in Q2 and beyond. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes, then click on the webinar banner there in the free resources section to register now.
2: Uh Joe and Big Al,
3: I'm a consistent listener. That's better than a repeat. That's, that, that's way better. What is a consistent listener? I
0: that's- think that means every Tuesday he's listening.
2: I'm, uh, I'm very consistent with my listening habits.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, we actually, if if you read it literally, I'm a consistent listener, but we don't know of what. Uh, you previously answered my question and surprisingly commented positively on my speaking voice. Oh, I kind of remember having a, a, a guy with a great voice. We I think we asked him to be a partner on the radio. I don't remember that. <laughs> I do. Did he say I'm a consistent listener? No, that's it. That's new to this one. You've got it. No one else is at, after at, after we told me he had a great voice. He listens every week. Yeah, he's <laughs> consistent.
2: Before he was not consistent was at very, all. Very they were like, Michael, wow, you got such a radio voice. Wow. I am totally consistent. I'm sold. <laughs> uh no one else has ever said anything like that. Well, you gotta hang out with the right people, I, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing now as I want to ask a review of Vanguard comparison to money market funds. I'm shopping for a money market fund and confused on how to compare the differences between the four funds in the following link. I don't want to purchase the fund paying. Don't I just want to purchase the fund paying the highest after tax returns? Uh, For the tax exempt funds, do I just add my tax bracket to determine the return of the tax exempt fund? I very much appreciate your comments as previously I thank you for your spitball review Michael
0: so his link didn't work but I've brought up on screen here where you guys can see but the audience can't that uh, Vanguard has six different money market funds to choose from and you can actually click to compare which ones you want he said he's wants to compare four of them but he didn't say which four they are
2: got it okay so <clears throat> you got a California municipal money market fund you got the cash reserves federal money market. Admiral shares, uh, federal money market fund, municipal money market fund, and then you got a New York one. Okay. Well, the only difference between the Admiral shares um and the federal money market is that it's just a lower expense ratio because you needed more money with Vanguard yeah. to get the admiral shares.
3: Yeah, that's right. There's a there's a, there's a minimum
2: on Admiral. But I like federal money market funds. Uh basically what they're gonna invest in is treasuries, right? And so uh, there's prime money market funds. Sometimes they might go like short-term bonds. Uh, They might use commercial paper, um, things like that. So you're going to get maybe a little bit extra rate of return, but I really don't think the risk is worth it. I mean, there's all sorts of different places to take risk in an overall portfolio, and I don't think a money market fund is where you want to juice. Right. So I like federal money market funds if you're in a really high tax bracket, I'm not sure if Michael from Colorado is or not. Um, so I would say, you know, if your tax bracket has a three in front of it, then you might want to look at um, a, a tax exempt money market fund.
3: And when you say three, you mean like 30, 32, 32, 32 35, 30, 37. So, yep. Yep.
2: Because then I think that's what it makes because the spread yeah, I agree, is probably if I you know, we see people in in tax exempt funds, and they're in the twelve percent tax bracket. Right, you're not getting any any benefit there. Correct, right? And even with twenty two percent tax bracket, your your benefit is still pretty limited. Um, once the r- rates go back to 25 28, you know, you know, then I think you're going to see those spreads change a little bit. But I don't know. Uh, again, this is cash; it's a cash reserve. Yeah, your federal money market fund here at Vanguard. Um, not saying I'm recommending any of this <laughs> true. I'm just saying here's my um, thoughts on the different types of investments in in Jerry or Michael can pick what what suits him best.
3: Yeah and and of course, there's FDIC rates and the, there's other kind of, of benefits or coverage you get at brokerage. So ch- look into all that, make sure you've got safety. The basic rule is25 two hundred fifty thousand dollars per person. For at, at a, a a particular bank, it's a little bit different. When you're at a brokerage firm like sure, this, you're, no. Well, you got SPIC insurance.
2: Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that helped. But money markets is kind of the big big thing right now. Yeah, yeah.
3: Everyone wants to get into some money yeah. markets. Well, because some of them are pay- they're paying three to maybe four percent.
2: Yeah, it's a lot better than it was.
3: Yeah, although I just checked at my bank, the money market is still 0.03. So they haven't, uh, they're not part of that trend yet. Got it. All right. Um,
2: hope, oh, hopefully that helps, Michael. Thank you for being such a consistent listener. And you do have a very wonderful voice. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. We got, what, Key? BH. Okay. Oh. San Antonio, Texas. Hello, Andy, Joe, Big Al. Enjoy your program very much. I've
3: listened to almost
2: every episode posted in your podcast library.
3: Well, how many do we have, Andy? Uh, 423. Oh wow. <laughs> and What's the average length?
0: About 45 minutes.
3: 45 minutes? Yeah. That's, that's a big commitment. Yeah. That's, thank
0: you, KBH. That's craziness. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, it's I thank you for your support. How about that? All right. I'm trying to catch
2: up on the last few months' episodes. You have informed and educated me as well as made me laugh out loud often. Okay. I appreciate all you do. Here's the question. Can you cover the widow penalty? All right. I only recently became aware of how death of a spouse can negatively impact or affect not only your Social Security income, in federal taxes, but how it becomes more difficult to manage taxes or conversions to Roth IRAs due to the change in tax brackets, standard deductions, amounts, IRMA limits in RMDs, et cetera. My particular question is about IRA conversions. Due to my husband's health condition, I know I'll be facing this situation within the next 10 years. We have about 1.2 million in tax-deferred accounts. We both have Roth accounts as well, And we are both over, Oh, the the Roths are both over five years old. Both of us are retired. There it is, 69 and 67 years old. Okay. Okay. We've been doing conversions for the last three or four years uh, to converting rollover IRA dollars to Roth. We have been topping out at the 22% tax bracket. However, with this life-limiting diagnosis for my husband, in the new info, I read yesterday about the widow penalty. I'm wondering if I should accelerate the Roth conversion to take the tax hit in the next two to three years at the top of the 24% tax bracket and try to convert almost all of the tax-deferred balances. I was thinking about leaving about $300,000 in tax-deferred accounts to be used for future medical expenses. I would have to pull the tax payments from the rollover IRA as well. Do not have enough outside cash to pay the required taxes. I'm thinking it would still make sense for me to do this over the next few years instead of having a huge IRA balance later, as I expect taxes to revert to the 2017 tax in 2026 as well. I would also have the advantage of still being in the married, finally, jointly category. I hope this question makes sense. I'm sorry if all this seems a bit dark. I spent most of the last night reading, researching widow penalty online, and would love to hear your thoughts about the scenario. Okay, so she's listened to all of our archives. Yeah. And she spent the entire night reading about the the widow penalty. We
3: probably haven't talked about it in a while. Yeah. It's this is a little dark. <laughs> but you know, it's real life too. It is real life.
2: Um I'm sure there's others in a similar position with thanks and gratitude. No pets, no time to drink. LOL. Pretty boring cars. Lincoln MKZ hybrid in a Subaru legacy. And hello to Andy as well. Love the podcast. Okay. Cool. Thank you very much. Um, Well, I'm sorry to hear about your husband's um, illness, so widow's penalty is well if someone dies you you go from a joint finally a joint return to a single and your your tax brackets
3: basically get cut in half but usually the rmd doesn't really change yeah so so to give some numbers to that the the top of the 12% bracket right now which is a low bracket so when you're single, and I'm just gonna round the numbers, when you're single, that goes up to forty-five thousand dollars. When you're married, it's ninety thousand. So in other words, if you're in the twelve percent bracket, your taxable income is under ninety thousand married couple. You're all in that twelve percent bracket, and some even the ten percent bracket. But then if your spouse passes, now you're in the single brackets. Now once your income goes, taxable income goes over forty-five thousand you've switched from the 12% bracket to the 24% bracket and all the brackets work that way and the reason is because the idea is with a married couple often you have two incomes so they figure you you should have right you you should have higher um dollar amounts before you hit that next bracket so that that's what happens when you lose a spouse and and it's real it it really does happen
2: but the the, the issue with the widow's penalty when it comes to IRA money is that the RMD usually doesn't change because let's say that she's got a half a million dollars in her retirement account and he's got a half a million dollars in his retirement account, right? Right, so it's a million dollars total, and the RMD is roughly forty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, right. And let's say they're both taking RMDs, or they're they're very similar in age, what 69 and 68 or something yeah, like that? 69, 67. 67. Okay. So let's say he passes. Yeah. So she's got a couple of options of what she can do with his IRA, but the RMD still has to come out. She can either roll it into her own account or she could keep it in his account, but she would have to pull the RMD based on his life expectancy on his age. Right. So the money still comes out. The $40,000 of RMD doesn't, It still comes out. It, it doesn't get cut in half. So what happens to her is that her tax bracket gets cut in half, but the income stays the same.
3: Yeah, except maybe you lose some Social Security.
2: Yes, she'll lose half of or she'll lose so much Social Security, either hers or his.
3: Right. Yeah, whichever is lower. The other thing that can happen is, is one or both spouses have a pension. And if you don't have a full survivor benefit. Some cases you might have 75% benefit, 50% benefit, no benefit, right? That can change your income too.
2: But she needs to, it's not cut and dry because there's so many different triggering effects that's going to happen when he passes. Right. So I think she's on the right track of looking at it. Hey, do I convert to the top of the 24% tax bracket?
3: The 24 is a giant bracket. Right. Yeah. Which right now is taxable income of 360,000. Right. So it, it, you so so, you probably don't want to blow out of everything no 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 no. yeah exactly because we don't know your income so we can't really advise you but here's the concept right which is 24% bracket is is what you would be in if you do conversions now maybe some 22 but mostly 24% bracket which isn't a bad bracket Uh, but sometimes we hear the extreme I'm going to convert everything so that by the time I get to rmd age i won't have any rmds because it's in the roth ira and my social security won't be taxed so I, i'll pay no tax and it's like well if you're if you're going to pay tax at 24 percent bracket and miss out on a 10 or 12 z- 0, zero yeah. 10 or 12 percent bracket that's that seems silly to me so you, you have to do some analysis to figure out what's your tax bracket really going to be when when your husband passes or if let's say if your husband passes i know he got a bad diagnosis but you know, sometimes people live for decades after bad night. So, so just if, if he passes, what's your taxable income going to be? The best you can figure. And that will help you decide if you're going to be in the 22% bracket anyway with the single tax laws. Yeah, go ahead and convert 22% bracket, 24, because we know the 22% bracket is going to go to 25 if the tax rates revert to as scheduled in 2026,
2: the, the only thing I don't like here is that she doesn't have any cash to pay the tax.
3: Yeah, that's the problem. So
2: you're going to, pu- pu- you know, convert to the top of 24. I'd be careful with that. There's probably a, a, a number that makes sense.
3: Yeah. Because
2: you're going to have to pull the money out to pay the tax, but it's probably not to the top of the 24.
3: Well, I think, yeah, well said, because really, like I say, you have to figure out what your tax bracket is going to be if he passes and that'll help you decide how much to convert. All right. Sorry again.
0: When you shift from saving for retirement to spending in retirement, your financial strategies need to change. But your plan for retirement withdrawals could be full of trapdoors. Joe Join Big Al help you identify and avoid those trapdoors when it comes to withdrawing money from your portfolio in retirement in the latest episode of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. Watch it and download the free companion guide from the podcast show notes now. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to get there. And don't forget to share YMYW as well.
2: All right, let's switch to Sarah from Tucson, Arizona. I've been collecting Social Security benefits for five years when I signed up at age 60. I did not know to ask for a restricted application. However, I do wish to draw my own record at age 70. Will I be able to do so? Ah, man, if... She would have asked me a few years ago. I would have been super dialed on this.
3: <laughs> well, there's not much point. There's not any point on a restricted application for a survivor benefit. No,
2: that's a, um, a spousal benefit. Spousal. Only. So she's taking. So her husband dies. She turns 60. She starts claiming the survivor benefit. She got a reduced benefit because she claimed it at age 60. Right. So her benefit is going to continue to grow. And she could switch to her own record, but it's going to be a reduced amount Correct. because she's already
3: claimed a benefit at a re, at, at a younger age. Yeah, and I want to say if she'd started claiming at 62, she would have got about a 25% haircut. In other words, it would have been 75% of her normal benefit at age 60. It's even less. God. But the, the, the rules changed. I know, I know they did. And so, I'm not super tight on so, it right so, now. Right. So we're just giving feedback, but by the time you get to set any age, you can switch to your benefit, but it's not going to be your full benefit. It's a reduced benefit because you claim survivor benefits starting at age 62. But she would still get
2: the 8% delayed retirement credits on her own oh, record. No, no, I
3: understand, but it's not going to be the same. I mean, to, to get your full benefit, you have to claim it at full retirement age, which right now is between 66 and 67.
2: But a survivor benefit and your own benefit are two totally different benefits. And the survivor benefit.
3: I'm pretty sure it's she waits till 70 to switch over to hers. There'll be a haircut because she claims survivor early.
2: I guess the question is, can she? And like the, the answer is yes.
3: Yes. But I don't know what
2: the calculation would be. Is that fair enough?
3: Yeah, that's fair enough. And I'm just spitballing here. I think it's you'll get roughly. 70 percent maybe a little less of your age 70 benefit um you're shaking your head
2: yeah i, I just don't think I, I i don't know the answer and that's bugging me right now because <laughs> you, i you usually should, know the answer and it used to be so tight on social security. security oh my god I memorized it but then they <laughs> changed the law i know it made it tricky yeah a couple times well they tried to make it easier because you had the restricted application then you yeah, had yeah, the, t- right. you know Claim and file and suspend yeah, and all that stuff. And that's done yeah. And then now you get deemed. And yeah, it's a lot it's a lot more complicated. <laughs> I still get I confused what deemed means. Yeah. So anyway, is that good? I gotta refresh my brain after that one. Bring in your uh, money questions, folks. Go to your Click on that button, ask Joan Al. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's all good. Then they can um it's been working though, right?
0: It has, yeah. We just haven't actually answered all the questions.
2: Got it. We got, um, dear Joe, big L, Andy still love the show. And I'm always disappointed when there isn't a new one each week.
0: When but there there is it? What do you mean?
2: Yeah. It's, I think what, I don't know when we haven't had it. When when, yeah. Andy. We always
0: have
3: every week. We have a new show.
0: Well, Even when Al
3: was in. Well, sometimes there's repeats on our radio show. Maybe that's what she's talking about.
0: Well, she's in Tinley Park, Illinois. So I think she's talking about the podcast. Maybe it's sometimes I have to do a recap episode. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, Maybe that's it. TV show. There's yeah. a lot of kind a lot of, of lottery runs. <laughs> There's a lot of reruns. But we have I don't know how, how many episodes do we have on the TV? Yeah, a couple hundred. Yeah, several hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a die Pepsi person, and now to rile everybody up. Ooh, <laughs> it's just got interesting. My financial podcast shows many. Many, thank you, Andy. Many financial podcasts and shows. Articles focused on sustainable IRA withdrawals. The IRS has RMDs as of the year you turn 72 slash 73. I know that this will not be a popular PC opinion, but if one has positioned themselves carefully pre-retirement, come on, people, you've had a lifetime to set this up no mortgage, car, et cetera, no debts, three-plus months of emergency savings, hold off on your Social Security until age 70, there should be no need to withdraw any money out of your IRA other than the RMD at or after age 73. I know sometimes things happen throughout life, but by the time you are 70, everything should have smoothed out
3: to enable this theory okay so we have time to figure this out why don't we do it i don't
2: understand what is
3: what is this a question is
2: this no. a rant no, no no
0: this is a comment this is a rant she's saying come on you've had a lifetime to set up your retirement why would you need to take any money out who's she talking
3: retirement? to she's talking to listeners in general
0: financial the, shows podcasts and articles yeah, yeah. focus on sustainable ira withdrawals why does there need to be any
3: well april if you follow a lot of the Podcast and or suggestions yeah you'll be fine but here's what happens so first of all you get out of college you're so stoked that you can actually buy a car and a tv you do all that this is the life of Alan. oh boy here we go (laughs) and then you get married and then you got all that stuff going on oh you got to buy a wedding ring oh okay all that stuff and then you have kids oh okay you got all that stuff and then oh they need to go to college Uh, okay all right and then uh, you have a little market downturn and you're (laughs) self-employed (laughs) <laughs> All right. This is my lifestyle. Right. So then um, then, you know what? Life happens. And uh, many people do get it figured out and they end up in a great spot. Others don't. Health. I haven't had any health issues. A knock on wood. Knock on wood. Right. To this point. So I i but that's not true. Of everybody. some people have significant health issues by 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. So a lot can happen so that people don't make it. Right. And I will
0: okay. also say you can't account for family members. You never know what family members are going to do. That's going to impact your finances as well.
3: That's true. And and maybe your parents need money. Right. And you're going to say, no, mom, I got to save for my retirement. That's a hard conversation to have. It's not one that I would probably want to do. I'd want to take care of my mom. She raised me.
2: This is so depressing. It's <laughs> just terrible.
3: I'm just saying it's just not really good content. I'm just saying why you can't always make it.
2: Oh, all right I'm kind of done that's, just, <laughs> that's, that's kind of blew me up a little bit there thank you al for that nice little, you're, you're very little you're very walk,
3: walk down little memory walk, walk lane. down as to what can happen
2: anything else nope that's it all right let's get out of here thanks all for uh your questions listening we really appreciate your listenership go to yourmoneyandwealth.com. you know the drill give us um, some questions we'll answer them right here Anything else going on?
0: We've got a market update webinar on the 26th of April. If people want to sign up for that, that's in the podcast show notes. You can link to that. All right. New TV show. This coming Sunday.
2: Awesome. How about that? That's going to be great.
0: Okay. That's enough plugging for us. (laughs) See you next week. Shows card your money well. To continue with the dark theme, we've got five-year-olds preparing for widowhood in the derails, along with soft drinks of choice. So stick around. Help new listeners find YMYW by leaving your honest reviews and ratings for Your Money, Your Wealth in Apple podcasts and any other podcast app that accepts them. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.
2: And we are both over, the, the rocks are both over five years old. I thought she was, yeah, and my husband and I are both over five years old.
0: Yeah, I was going to, yeah. And I'm
2: planning on the widow's issue in about 80 <laughs> years from now, and I'm just. <laughs> i have a platter I'm, Joe, I'm Joe, platter. I'm a platter. I know this guy's going to croak on me, so I want to get tight in the
3: next. I know, I'm going to live longer than this. All right, female, you know,
2: got it. Okay, the rocks are five years old. Yeah. I don't know, what's your selective choice here, Big O? Would you go diet Pepsi or diet
3: Coke? Neither. No. Water. Yeah, that's right, water. You're vegan. I'm not well, that's that's vegan. I, I no, I I can't do soda. And a lot of people as they age, it just doesn't sit well with me. Well. And is,
0: uh, Joe, are you still drinking your orange crush or kiss yeah, sun kissed or whatever it is? No. Yeah, I don't know. It. I never
2: drink soda pop either. Yeah, until now. And then First I time. saw this the sun kiss or this orange crush
3: yes, and and in the, you your child in the fridge. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, what the hell? You try it um i'll tell you what i do i just found recently it's called hop water h-o-p water oh yeah that's got a little fizz in it it's got a little fizz in it, you know about it No, oh yeah it's actually a great substitute for for beer i think if if, uh, if, if you don't if you don't want to over drink i don't <laughs> even know what that means well you, you should i'll put it that way